The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham. This is the Chelsea podcast from The Athletic. And on today's episode, we're talking ins and outs, trips to Anfield, X-Factors and the rest of the Blues news. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Hello again, listener. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams, alongside you. I am joined today by Sam Parkin. Good morning, Matt. And Liam Toomey's with us too. Hi, Liam. I don't have an opening gimmick today. Hello. <laughs> That'll do. Uh, right, worth pointing out here, listener, we're recording this pod before the Champions League group stage draw, so we'll have a chat about that on Monday. Uh, plenty has happened since we last spoke, though, it being transfer season and it being Chelsea. There's lots to talk about. First one, Liam, Davide Zappacosta to Atalanta for a reported €10 million. Euros. Uh, we'll always have Carabag. How pleased are Chelsea to have got him off the books permanently? Um, yeah, I think it's a welcome it's a welcome move. It's it's one that will please a lot of fans, not because Zappacosta was particularly disliked, but just because it's a sign of a a more welcome trend. Um, I think the more the more interesting thing about that move was the fact that Chelsea have taken a significant hit on what they paid for Zappacosta four years ago. Now, of course, he's he's four years older and he's had a serious injury in that time as well. But traditionally, Marina Granovskaya has not been prepared to to compromise at all. Um, so I think this indicates a measure of realism about the market that Chelsea are operating in. And if that carries over into some of the other players that Chelsea need to shift before the deadline, then I think they've got a much better chance of, of shifting them. And of course, even if it's a relatively modest fee, we believe around 10 million euros, every little helps in terms of funding your own spending and, and offsetting what you're doing on the recruitment side. Sam, he's got winners' medals from his time at Chelsea in the Europa League in 2019 and the FA Cup in in 2018. They're they're legitimate medals for him, aren't they? What what I mean by that is he did play in those campaigns. Europa League, he started every group stage game and appeared in in three of the knockout ties. He came on late in the final two, unused sub in the FA Cup final. But but what do those kind of medals mean to him? Do you think will there be a, a sense of wistfulness that well I got them, but I could have played more, or will he just be pleased to have got them? I don't think so. I think there'd be a, a realism that he was competing in a very competitive squad and that he played his part. Uh, he's kind of said as much, hasn't he, as his his parting message, I think, on uh, Twitter or whatever I saw. Very proud to have played his part. And he's always been pretty reliable, I, I would suggest. Probably not quite good enough on the ball to displace Reese James, if you like, and probably not good enough defensively to be called upon in front of Aspilicueta, that would be the way I'd look at it. But someone who would always give you six and a half, seven out of ten. Um, trying to liken him to someone during my period at the club, probably someone like Emerson Tom, who came in uh, when there was all glittery stars arriving. Chelsea's from... forgotten Brazilian. Yeah, but a really <laughs> likeable guy, Liam, you know, and, and when he was given an opportunity, he never let the side down. So he, he's a bit like that and probably knew his position within the squad ultimately. So yeah, good to recoup some money for him. And I don't think the Chelsea fans will think back, you know, upon his period as uh, too much of a disaster. Uh, Liam, any update on Kurt Zuma to West Ham? Well, there there seemed to be all sorts of funny business 
mainly on the West Ham side between West Ham and, and Kurt Zuma's camp on Wednesday evening. Uh, when it seemed like the deal was briefly in peril and then it was back on Schrodinger's transfer, I called it, because it was being reported as on or off, uh, depending on where you were looking. I, I was, I'm was, i still trying to make sense of exactly where things are, but I think the deal will happen because I think it's in too many people's interests for Zuma to join West Ham. It's a chance for him to stay in London, stay in the Premier League, start regularly and, and really you know, kick on in his career. West Ham, he's clearly an upgrade on what they already have at centre-back and Chelsea want the money to to, to fund this move for Jules Koundé or, or partly fund this move for Jules Koundé. So I think it will get done. There have been some late hiccups, but I think it will get done. Uh, one that has been done is E.K. Ugbo to the Belgian side Genk. Marseille tried to, to hijack that at the last minute, but he's gone to Belgium Instead, uh, Sam, you and I have seen a fair bit of him down the years. What kind of player are Genk getting? I see there's a, a 20% sell-on clause too. He, he looks like somebody who might improve as the years go on. Yeah, absolutely. He got that. Um, yeah, he's, he's got the, the ability to improve 100%. I think he's a... Someone said this to me the other day about another player, a a bit of a jack-of-all-trades, but maybe not a master of any. And I, I quite like that. Um, and I would say that's quite fitting for him in that his hold-up play. I remember doing games with you, Matt, actually, and saying, I think his hold-up's actually better than Sammy Abraham's. Um, so I thought there was a lot to like about his all-round game, with maybe you know not being as predatory uh, as possibly Tammy Abraham and Dominic Solanke were coming through. And I think that was highlighted when he got his first loans in the EFL, where he didn't score regularly. But he's found that knack of getting goals regularly when he's been on the continent. Very right-footed, I would say. Probably needs to work on his weaker foot, but strong in the air. As I said, his hold-up's very good and he's an accomplished finisher, which looks to have really improved during his times, you know, playing regularly. So certainly one that can improve, but I think three million um, up front with a couple more million potentially with add-ons is pretty good business for, for, like I say, someone that didn't, hit the ground running with his initial loan. So, yeah, someone who could come again, I'm sure, but it seemed like a good deal for the club. And that, Liam, takes Chelsea to over £100 million raised in in player sales. Does that therefore mean that it has been a successful window, despite the the fact that the likes of, you know, your Drinkwaters, Babbers, Ross Barkley's are still hanging around? Yeah, I think it just shows that you can't really be too picky about the players that you're selling. You can only sell the players that other clubs want. And and Chelsea have some bad assets that they're going to have to roll into next year. But what they have done is at least capitalised on the good assets they had that they didn't consider uh, to be key parts of Thomas Tuchel's immediate plans. And I know it's dismaying for fans to see players like Fakaya Tamori, Tammy Abraham, Mark Gurhi, Tino Liveramento, now E.K. Ugbo, walk out the door. But they are still academy successes. If you're getting these fees for these guys, they are significant developmental successes. And now I think what we're seeing is Chelsea's academy has this dual legacy, doesn't it? You've got Reese James and Mason Mount, Callum Hudson-Odoi in the first team, but you've also got this kind of developmental money-making machine that they've built where you're, build, you're, you're creating or moulding all of these top prospects and then 
selling them in some cases with some optionality to bring them back later on. Um, and I don't necessarily see a huge problem with that as long as you're getting the strategy right on the pitch and continuing to put Chelsea first team in a position to win. Optionality sounds like a very Jose Mourinho word to me, by the way, Liam. I like that. Um, last one I want to talk transfer-wise, Sam. Tino Andrin, some, some words last couple of days. He might be going to Locomotive Moscow. Uh, the link there is that Thomas Tuchel's mentor, Ralph Ranić is involved with Locomotive Moscow. I feel with Tino, Sam, that, that a move abroad on loan might suit him better than being kicked about in League One or the Championship for a season because we know he's been susceptible to, to injury, but, but this would be a very left-field one. It, it would be, and I'd, I'd probably disagree a little bit, just having known how much he's had to be managed the last few seasons. It's not, it doesn't seem to be obviously impact injuries or or big muscular injuries. He seems to just need really, he's training structured. Um, obviously, he's had a problem getting through 90 minutes. That's been a continual problem over the last few years in the academy. So, for me, it would be about going to the right club in England and, and probably in the championship, considering he's only made, what, five senior year appearances. Uh, I'm thinking about the position he plays and the type of style that uh, the clubs can offer him. Um, Swansea would be one, obviously. <laughs> Still a bit of a journey for the, the Chelsea scout. He's going to be casting an eye across him. So maybe QPR as well. They're playing with two number 10s at the moment. Bournemouth would be a good one. You know, a team that's going to challenge at the high echelons of the of the championship and a team that plays either with two number 10s or two attacking midfield players where he can stamp his claim in his in his rightful position. Um, that would make more sense to me. Uh, of course, Chelsea have the resources to send a scout to, to Russia, probably to put them up and to send a detailed scout and report back every week, I'm sure. But I just think given the problems that he's had with his fitness, it would be good for the communication lines to be very clear and very easy from, from the get-go, I suppose. Just to add on, Andrew, and I, I do expect him to, to leave Chelsea on loan before the close of the window, based on what I've heard. And if it is Locomotive Moscow, I think, yeah, it does sound on the surface like quite a random one. But I would actually put it in a similar bracket to Billy Gilmore going to Norwich in that you've you, you've got Chelsea sending a very highly rated young player, personally highly rated by Thomas Tuchel, to a place where they're working with a coach who has links to Thomas Tuchel and who sees the game in a similar way. Gilmore, they pick Norwich because of the way Farker plays and the double six in midfield and all these things that might be transferable back to Chelsea in time. And if Chelsea and Tuchel make the assessment that Ralph Rangnick is a, is a good person to manage the next year or so of Tino Andrin's development, I think that should be encouraging to Chelsea fans because it shows that Tuchel is not just kind of taking a back seat and letting the club farm these players off just anywhere. There's actually some real thought going into what's best for their development with a view to being Chelsea players. All right, well, I'm sure we'll have more updates uh, on some of those on Monday. Next today, though, we'll look ahead to Chelsea's trip to Anfield this coming weekend. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
Well, the big games just keep on coming for Chelsea. They head to Merseyside on Saturday to take on Liverpool. Blues won 1-0 here last season thanks to a fine goal from Mason Mount. Kante hits it. It's Mount who's after it. Mount gets the ball down. He's into the penalty area on the left-hand side. He's onto his right foot. It might open up. Mount with a shot into the bottom corner. And that is a superb finish. And Chelsea take the lead. There's no doubt about that goal. Brilliantly finished by Mason Mount in front of the cop. And it's Liverpool nil, Chelsea won. And Liam, given Chelsea have had two wins so far, might they play a bit conservatively here and, and aim, aim not to get beat rather than to win? Or is that just not the Thomas Tuchel way? I think they'll they'll set up in a similar way to the way they did last year against Liverpool. I think they'll try to keep the ball as much as possible to draw Liverpool onto them with their press, to use Liverpool's press against them, essentially, and then to try and release early passes over the top um, or between Liverpool's lines to Romelu Lukaku or Timo Werner, who I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest to see start this game, given how effective he was at Anfield last year. I, th- I think that will be the basis of the game plan. We saw it work to great effect against Manchester City as well. It's really difficult and really dangerous to play a high defensive line against Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea um, because they have the defenders and the midfielders that can pick those passes if you give them time and they have the forwards that can time those runs in behind and, and really expose you. Lukaku has only added another massive weapon to that to that particular arsenal. So... Um, no pun intended. So I, I, I expect Chelsea to kind of set up that way. And I think they will be looking to try and win this game because if you're looking to try and win the Premier League title this season, these head-to-head games are going to be really important. Yeah, uh, Owen, amongst a few people tweeting us to ask about Timo Werner and whether this is the game that he starts. What do you think, Sammy? He did cause Liverpool a lot of problems in, in this fixture last season. I completely agree with with Liam. Yeah, I mean, I'd be hard pushed to say who who comes out the side. My, my guess would be Havertz, maybe. Um, and then the configuration of that midfield and and the strikers would be be interesting. He could play Mount by himself as a ten, and then he can kind of play as that hybrid, uh, especially up against Liverpool's midfield three because he's so diligent in defensive work. He, he does and also at getting between the lines as as Liam described and I've seen him play that before where you're actually scratching your head to what Mason's actual set position is because he gives so much to the team um, so he could definitely do that and pair Werner with Lukaku as a two or he could play the, the tried and tested system that's got him great success and Timo Werner could could pry on those opportunities when Trent Alexander-Arnold just tiptoes a little bit too far forward and Chelsea can nick the ball and, and set him away like that. But I feel that this could be an opportunity for Werner. We've obviously spoken about it since Lukaku's arrival that it could take a little bit of pressure away from him and think back to those Manchester City performances last year when he kind of was the difference, maybe not in his goal scoring, but his, his ability to, to stretch a high line. So wouldn't be surprised at all, but I would imagine Mason Mount will be key to whatever Thomas Tuchel decides. So Werner might get a start. What about Ben Chilwell? Andrew asks, what's the plan with Chilwell to get him up to speed when he can't even get minutes off the bench? Southgate won't start him for England next week either. Alonso started well, but never had a good game. V Salah at Anfield. Any chance he comes in on Saturday, Liam? 
I think if he doesn't, the Chelsea fans that are ringing these early alarm bells about Chilwell uh, might have a bit more credibility. At the moment, I'm not reading anything into it. You know, Tuchel made the early decision to start with Alonso. Alonso started the season really well. Uh, and I think he, he kept his place against Arsenal on the strength of what he did on the opening day against Crystal Palace. So I, I'm not reading anything into it. It was it, it's so so early in the season, but based on everything you said, you know, I, I do think Chilwell is the right man for this kind of matchup. Liverpool's right hand side is so so dangerous with Salah cutting in, Trent Alexander Arnold overlapping. Regardless of who starts there, they're going to need help and they're going to need protection. But Chilwell has the the speed and mobility to do a little bit better in those situations you would think than Alonso so I, I would expect Tuchel to start him and if he doesn't I'll be surprised and then it might be the time to start asking questions uh, Sam here's one from Ben that I'll put to you Ben says there's going to be a lot of talk about the battle between Lukaku and Van Dijk I wonder what you think is the best strategy when playing a centre-back like that and how best to overcome them what weaknesses or areas could be targeted uh, I guess the principal weakness for Van Dijk at the moment is is lack of match fitness yeah, um, it's very difficult to pick holes in in anything in Van Dyke's armory. Um, but but yeah, given that Lukaku's off the back of such a couple of productive seasons, uh, productive Euros, and, and obviously we, we've seen him in the flesh last weekend, you'd have to say that his uh, condition is probably in is superior at the moment than than that of Van Dyke's. Um, that said. I think you probably have to position yourself away from Van Dijk would be the most sensible thing and, and to pull yourself onto onto Joel Matip if it's to be him or Konate um, if if he gets onto the pitch. So yeah, I'd, I'd box clever. I'd um, probably sacrifice myself at times for, for the team. Of course, you want your centre forward to be dominant uh, in every game, especially away at Anfield, if your number nine can produce a top quality performance, you've got a great chance of winning the game. But I think for those reasons we've already stated, Romelu Lukaku may have to just pop himself into little positions, make angles, obviously protect the ball as wonderfully as he did at the Emirates, but then hope that that second pass, the third man run, is going to set people like Timo Werner um, a way to cause problems. So, yeah, it may be one where he's not going to be as dominant as he was at, at the Emirates. I think that's that's stating the obvious uh, if he's coming up against Van Dijk, but you can still, you know, pull him around and, uh, and I suppose, box clever for the team. Yeah, it'd be nice if he came up against Pablo Mari every week, but uh, realistically, that was a one-off, I think. Um Liam, I wonder with Liverpool if they're if they're being underestimated a bit this season. Not much talk of them as title challengers. Sam mentioned Canate, but not particularly busy in, in the market otherwise. What they have done though is, is tie down a lot of their key players to to longer term contracts. Do you do you think that that maybe they they should be being taken a bit more seriously as a as a challenger to to City and Chelsea? They've got something that we always underrate, which is continuity. Um, they've got a great coach. They've got the core of this team that has set such a phenomenal standard over the last four years. And they should all be hungry again. You know, everything that could have gone wrong for them last year, capped, of course, by that horrendous injury to Van Dijk, did go wrong in the Premier League and it and it meant that they weren't really in the hunt by the end. But they start from zero and that should be 
this season and that should be the biggest motivation for them. Um, unlike Chelsea, unlike Manchester United, we know that Liverpool can get to 95, 100 points because they've done it very recently with this group of players and this coach. So in that sense, they're the most proven challengers to Manchester City. I know we're all expecting Chelsea to be at that level this year as well, but Liverpool absolutely can't be discounted. And that's why I thought going into this year that all four of those clubs should go into the season with realistic expectations to challenge, to to be in the conversation down the final stretch of the season. Liverpool, absolutely. And I think if Van Dijk, I haven't seen enough of him over the first couple of weeks of the season to know exactly how he's looking. But if he is anything like the, the player he was before Jordan Pickford took him out, Liverpool's defence should be formidable again and that will make them very, very difficult to beat. Sam, this game, it's part of Chelsea's difficult start to the season. It can it can be difficult to draw conclusions from, from games this early on in the campaign. But given that Chelsea will have played Arsenal, or already have played Arsenal, they'll have played Liverpool after this weekend. They've got Spurs and Man City to come before the end of September too. If they can get through these still unbeaten, that's going to be massive in terms of the title race, isn't it? Because they will have played what, four of the teams who they would consider to be rivals, maybe not for the title, but but certainly for the top four. And if they come through those unscathed, they'd be in a great position. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be huge um, psychologically, um, especially now that, uh, you know, Lukaku is, has joined uh, and we're nearing the end of the transfer window as well, unless something, you know, um, startling happens at, these other clubs, we kind of know the squad, the depth, and I think everyone's looking at Chelsea and and quite envious, really, of what they've been able to put together. Um, you know, spoke about Liverpool; they're not really adding uh, vast amounts of quality. They've got players to return, uh, of course. Manchester City, obviously, in fine fettle, but I suppose the big question is still about their lack of out and out striker. So. I think they people will be envious that Chelsea have been able to get the business done and yeah, flex their muscles at the Emirates and yeah, I mean Liverpool away from home get anything there after the start that they've had in the first two games, it would be a brilliant start and, and psychologically for the players, um, they will believe that they can they can go close this year, certainly. Yeah, so Chelsea's next run of Premier League games, Liverpool on Saturday, then it's Villa at home, Spurs away, Man City, all tough. But after that, Southampton, Brentford, Norwich, Newcastle, Burnley. So a nice little run after that if Chelsea can come through. Uh, one last thing on the Liverpool game. Cesar Azpilicueta plays. It will be his 300th Premier League appearance. It will come on his 32nd birthday too. I'm sorry, lads. I shouldn't do this after after the Arsenal debacle, but I'm just going to ask it quickly. He'll be the fourth Chelsea player to reach 300 Premier League appearances this is so easy that it's a layup. It's a chance to redeem yourself. Who are the three who've reached it before him? Liam, I, I, you can take this away from Sam and just get them in one go. It's so obvious. 300 Premier League appearances just for Chelsea. Yeah, yep. three others have managed it. Some much more than 300. John Terry, Frank yep. Lampard. Yeah. Petr Cech. You're back in the game. Yeah, Sam, I'm sure okay. you would have said exactly the same. Yep, I had those three and then uh, Ashley Cole and Drogba were my uh, desperate uh, flungs <laughs> after that. I was also going to say Lasana Diara if we... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Just as a cover option. Uh, Liverpool versus Chelsea kicks off at 5.30 UK time on Saturday. We will, of course, react to it in Monday's pod.
Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the Blues got their EFL trophy campaign off to an almost winning start on Tuesday. They drew 1-1 at Exeter in their first group game. Brian Fiabima had them 1-0 up, but Exeter equalised from the penalty spot. That meant the game went to a shootout to determine who gets the bonus point. Chelsea won that. Keeper Teddy Sharman Lowe saved two spot kicks. Uh, the next game in that competition where the Blues field an under-21 side is at Cheltenham in October. Uh, the under-23s play their next PL2 game at West Ham on Sunday, whilst the under-18s go to Norwich on Saturday. And the draw for the third round of the Carabao Cup was made late on Wednesday night. It's an all-Premier League affair for Chelsea, who host Aston Villa at the bridge. Those ties will be played the week commencing the 20th of September. OK, we're on the home stretch now. But before we go, listener Gregorio Lagana has been in touch. He asked, which ex-Chelsea manager would you see being more successful this season? Sarri's Lazio or Mourinho's Roma? Uh, it got me thinking we should do a series of ex-Chelsea predictions and see how we get on at the end of the season. Producer Lucy's logging these. We've got some from Simon and from Dom too. So they'll all go onto the spreadsheet and we'll see who wins. Uh, Liam, who's? let's start with that first one. Who's going to finish higher in Serie A, Sarri or Mourinho? I'd just like to start by saying I think predictions are a fool's game. <laughs> um, but having said that, I will go for Sarri's Lazio. Oh, wow. Okay. I thought this was going to be a full house for Jose. I mean, I've got very little Serie A knowledge, Sam, but I just looked at the two squads. Are you you going Sarri or Jose? Should have looked at the table from last season, my friend. I'm going for (laughs) Sarri as well. They've got six points to make up. Yeah. All right. Big smoke signals from Lazio and Sarri. They'll have a tear up. They'll have a tear up, those two, when the Derby. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Roma seem to get a man sent off every game under Mourinho. So that's <laughs> the basis of my prediction. Jose will do some sort of shove or eye gouge and, and Sarri will just put a fag out on his forehead or something. It'll be glorious to watch. Uh, next question. Who will score more goals? Tammy Abraham, Olivier Giroud or Michy Batshuayi? Who have you gone for this one, Sam? I've gone for Batshuayi. Sorry, uh, fans of Roma. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for the, the Batman to... Uh, get a shed load for last season's champions. No brainer. Uh, yeah, I think Don went for for Bakshuay as well. What about you, Liam? They won't play Weymouth in the Turkish league, Sam. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, it is either Bakshuay or Abraham, isn't it? I think Giroud won't play every week. I'm going to go for Abraham just for a bit of interesting difference. Okay, I went for Tammy as well. Next one, who will finish higher in the Premier League? Mark Gerhi and Conor Gallagher at Palace, Armando Brozier and Tino Livramento at Southampton, or Billy Gilmore at Norwich? I think it's a brave man who picks Billy Gilmore. Liam, was, was that you? No, I I don't feel good about this, but I, I did predict before a ball was kicked this season that Southampton would go down as well. So I'm going to go for Gerhi and Gallagher purely because I think Palace might finish 17th. Yeah, all three of these clubs could be in big trouble, actually. Um, Sam, who's going to finish higher? I'm going to go Southampton, marginally over Palace. Yeah, it's not going to be much in it, I think. Uh, what about out of those players who will make the most Premier League appearances? I went for, for Billy Gilmore here. What about you, Liam? Well, Livermento's already surprised me by starting against Man United. I, I think Gil, it's either Gilmore or the Palace boys for me. Um, but I just think Gilmore's had a couple of injuries in his past. I wouldn't bet against him missing a couple of games here or there. So I'm, I'm going to go for Conor Gallagher. Uh, how about you, Sam? Yeah, that's who I've gone for as well. I think 
I think they're, they're, they're quite light in both departments, centre of defence and midfield, but I just think he'll give them so much Gallagher that something they've desperately needed a bit of drive from midfield and very consistent. I think he's, the fans are taken to him already. So yeah, I see him playing a lot. Uh, yeah, I think if you're going to make a prediction about his career, it will be that he'll be one of those who plays pretty much every week, uh, Will Connor. Uh, how about this one? Which currently unemployed ex-Chelsea manager will get a new managerial position first? You get 10 bonus points if you correctly guess the club. The contenders are Andre Villas-Boas, remember him? Frank Lampard and Antonio Conte, who is hanging over Mikel Arteta and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I like the ghost at the feast this season. Who have you picked in this one, Liam? It's a tricky one. You know, I think Conte would be the most in demand for obvious reasons, but it does seem like Lampard is the most motivated to get back into coaching soon. Um, it's kind of a coin toss between the two of them based on what becomes available. I'm going to go with Conte. I went Conte to Arsenal, Sam. How about you? Maybe that's my serious answer, but uh, <laughs> just for... Um, Bantz, I'll go AVB to Watford. That could happen, couldn't it? <laughs> that could definitely happen. He could turn up there, couldn't he, after seven games? For six months, yeah. He'll drive his rally car all the way to Vicarage Road. <laughs> I mean, he's just as likely to, to turn up at, at Guangzhou City as he is Watford, isn't he? But yeah, who knows? We'll see. Final one. Predicted league finishes of the following ex-Chelsea managers. Carlo Ancelotti, now at Real Madrid, and Rafael Benitez, now at Everton. Yes, that's right. Rafael Benitez used to manage Chelsea. Uh, Liam, what have you gone for with this one? I'm going to say Real Madrid second. I think Atletico will retain their title. And Everton, I'm going to go with eighth. All right, I don't think there's going to be a massive amount of difference in these ones. Sam, I went Carlo first, just because why not, and Benitez ninth, because that's a pretty Everton position. I'm exactly the same as Liam. See you later, everyone. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Second, Atletico to win the title. And uh, I had them eighth or ninth, but I'm going to put, I'm just going to pop Arsenal just slightly uh, below them. So eighth. Okay, as mentioned, uh, Dom and Simon have had a go at this too. Simon is predicting, by the way, that Frank Lampard will go to Southampton. So we'll wait and see if that comes to fruition. Uh, Liam, tell us what Athletic subscribers can enjoy from you up on the site at the moment. Well, I've been doing some work on the uh, <laughs> prospective Zuma and Kunde moves. Um, so I've got several thousands of words waiting to go based on when and if those uh, deals are confirmed soon I'll also be doing a little bit of analysis around the Champions League draw depending on who Chelsea get but I think to be honest regardless of who they get the other teams have to be worried about them the way things are right now and beyond that I've got Friday off so you'll have to talk amongst yourselves for a little while <laughs> uh, Sam you're part of the Totally Football League show which is also a podcast available from The Athletic, which you can listen to ad-free if you are an Athletic subscriber. And you're going to be in the Sky Sports studios on Friday night too. Yeah, I've got a couple of TV gigs um, this weekend, so I've got to find some time between now and then to have a shave um, <laughs> because I'm rather hairy. Um, so that's uh, the forefront of my mind. But yeah, a couple of gigs over the weekend, then bank holiday Sunday off. 
Nice. And of course, there is a, a Chelsea link in your, in your Friday game, Cheltenham v oh, yes. Burton Albion. The, the, the brilliantly uh, pragmatic Jimmy Floyd Hasselbanks Burton um, against uh, Cheltenham. One for the purists uh, could be decided by a set piece, which very much not in keeping with his, uh, his uh, habit of smashing balls into the top corner from 40 yards. I was going to say, if it's a free kick, just bring Jimmy on and, and he can just whack it in. Uh, good stuff. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod is the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. Uh, listener, many thanks for your company today. Thanks to, to Sam, to Liam and to producer Lucy. We'll be back again on Monday. Do join us then if you can. From all of us here, though, it's bye for now. 